So let's get straight into it then and kick it, kick it off with the KZN floods. You would have seen the images absolutely devastating and unbelievable uh, in some instances to see just, you know, the ca- the number of cars, houses that have been completely destroyed. Well, let me take you now to Imtiaz Suleiman, who is um, the founder of The Gift of the Givers. Uh, Dr. Suleiman you know, just the sense that uh, we've been getting this morning, even with uh, our producers who've been reaching out to different officials um, in KZN, is that it is a chaotic situation. And the biggest thing, of course, in, in, a, in a situation like this is what people should do, especially those that are in the high-risk areas and in the areas that have been hardest hit. Uh, good morning, Kevin. The storm, look, first of all, to be fair, you know, nobody understands, can expect what type of storm is coming. We had something similar in 2019 when you got Cyclone Idai and around the same time, you got a floods came to Durban. And that it, it, it is a similar type of form, except the sun looks much bigger. So nobody can really be sure exactly how big it's going to be, where it's going to hit. But there are certain safeguards. You know, one with a storm announcer, this means you have to be very careful about getting onto the road. That's the first thing, because a lot of people got caught once we were on the road. And the water can bucket down within seconds. From a small downpour, it can just pour down suddenly, and you can trap. And small streams become raging rivers, which always happens. The second and the more important thing is, I, I was in discussion with the social development minister two weeks ago. I met her at the, 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 in the NDA building in, in Johannesburg. And we were talking about disaster intervention in general. And I said, the biggest problem that we have is people keep building houses in low-lying areas, which are floodplains. I mean, you know, because in quite often, as I said, a stream can become a river in low-lying areas, and you cannot get to those people very quickly. Unfortunately, when a storm like this hits an entire region from beyond Richards Bay right into, into Port Chepson and beyond, you, can't, you don't have enough personnel or enough boats to get to different areas at the same time. And even if you have enough personnel, the roads are flooded, what do you do? You can't get me. So you have the challenge of you can't fly, you can't drive, you can't get a the boat there, you don't have enough personnel, and you can't get to the people. So it basically comes down to the people themselves to move away to higher ground, especially if the warnings are made. But quite often, people don't pay attention to the news, they don't get the messages, they don't know what's going on, and they can become, become victims overnight. Suddenly, when the water level jumps from one centimeter to one meter in, in minutes. And we need to have an overall real look at disasters in the country where we have to move people away from low-lying areas. But it's a phenomenon all over the world. It's not only in South Africa. I've been to cyclone areas. People get hit by a cyclone. They'll go burn on the same spot. They'll get hit by another cyclone in the same spot, and they'll go back to the same spot again. So it's, we need mindset change, and we need change, you know, things to be changed in how people and how the government intervenes and helps people. So that's in terms of the low-flying areas. In terms of being on the road, you have to take precautions. You can't be on the road when they say, just stop travel. When you know a big storm is coming, just stop traveling. People are watching the news, listening. You see the rain coming on the road. A lot of people got caught underwear on the road. Thirdly, the other thing that's coming out more and more often, and in every disaster, see more and more people are dying or retaining walls falling down. More people seem to be dying from that than anything else. I think we need to relook from the building point of view how else to build these walls so they don't fall down. Sometimes you can't do anything for the volume of water. And if people know the volumes of water coming behind the houses. They have to take the precautions and move aside or move away. And there's a personal experience. Yesterday, last night, I got a message. Friends that I know, whose house I've been to many times, got a message sadly last night that in the yard where they live, the beginning wall fell down. 
the neighbor's house, the domestic's Wendy house got turned around, and the domestic got trapped and died in the water, and you know, in, in that area. So, boundary walls is something, retaining walls is something we've got to really look at in terms of engineering, because more and more we're getting feedback, people are dying from those things, so falling down. And sure, of course, landslides yeah. and all, you can't do much about, because people burn in all different areas. You, I, you, you can't say, okay, I don't burn on a certain hill, because in certain hills, nothing happens, and I was just stand. Mm-hmm. And other hills, the houses fall down. So I don't know whether the engineers, the architects have to study the, the, the patterns of, you know, of our, our infrastructure, of our, our ground earth, and say, look, there's a risk that if we build here, one day maybe if a big storm comes, like what happened now, the houses are going to fall down. You know? It's something we have to really look at as a nation, because since the time of the tsunami, mm-hmm. the weather patterns have changed. You know, we, we're having rain in, in winter in, in KZN. When did it happen? It's supposed to rain in summer, you know. And it, the weather patterns have changed. The type of storms are severe. The cyclones we're getting, the wind storms we're getting. We never had that kind of storm in South Africa before. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's getting worse and worse. So it's, 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 it's no point looking at the floods, what we're going to do now. We're going to look at pre-planning before and the options from an engineering point of view, architecture point of view, geology point of view, rivers point of view, building point of view, settlements point of view. You know, it requires a total prevention strategy in which to look at it and also intervention strategy. Mm-hmm. Do we have enough boats? Do we have enough personnel? Do we have enough trained paramedics? Do we have enough stations settled outside the country? It's, it's, it's a total process that requires a whole really look at how to intervene in South Africa because this is happening too often. It's, it's absolutely devastating to think about, again, the, the impact and the way that you have described it. And I want us to firstly begin with the issue of the roads, Dr. Suleiman, because you have a situation where a lot of bridges are collapsing and have collapsed, uh, especially, you know, the, the man-made bridges. And um, people are, again, still getting caught up in the floods while on the roads. How can that be emphasized in terms of really urging people to stay home? Because when you look at the number of cars, Dr. Suleiman, that have been, you know, completely, um, you know, uh, underwater, that have been taken completely underwater as a result of these floods, you have to ask, you know, these motorists, some of them at least, were taking a chance, thinking that they can get through. But in the end, uh, so many of them end up being trapped in the water. And that's such a common problem. You know, the problem is people don't understand that the water looks quite calm on the top. Mm. It's not the same at the bottom. That the current, you can never see the current. You may you see the current rock and the water is not flowing so strong that take a chance. But you don't know the current under the surface. And that's the thing that catches a lot of people unawares. And you can never take a risk, no matter how simple it looks or how easy it looks, you cannot take a chance of your car to drive through a flowing river on, or on a low bridge. It's just too risky to do that. And it, but it's more risky being on the road. You know what? When the storms are coming, get off the road, no matter what. If it's an emergency, we understand, but even that situation can become a problem if we can wait, wait. But stay off the roads and, you know, and, and any circumstances because, first of all, you become a statistic. Secondly, it's more work for, for the, I'm not, I'm not being careless here, but, you know, it's more work for, for the paramedics. The less people they have to get to, the more lives they can save. It's, it's just a simple rule of life. You know, there's more, less people injured, less people to get to, more lives you can save. Mm-hmm. More people caught up in the trouble, more people we have to be helped. You can't get to them, and you're putting your own self at risk. It's something we really have to look at very, very carefully. The other thing is mentioned the bridge. Somehow, it's always the bridges on the north coast that get knocked out for some strange reason. You know, it's always on the north coast, the bridges are gone. And, and we spend a lot of money, again, 
I have to ask government to go back to the engineers. Why in countries that have earthquakes, the bridges still, in most cases still do stand? They don't fall mm-hmm. down. Right? Is there something that's wrong with the type of concrete we're using? Or maybe nothing wrong with it? Or should we strengthen it and use even more concrete? Of course, it makes it more expensive to build the bridge. But should we really look at you know, strengthening the bridges in this type of areas, especially along the coastal lines, where we've had repeated cyclones and storm damage, where we've been affected, and it costs us 200 million and 300 million a year, you know, close to a billion. And I've got even two years or three years later, we're in the same trouble again. And it's just costing us too much of money. Mm. So I, I, I think seriously, experts in the engineering field and in civil construction really need to sit together and say, look, we need to, a new plan in terms of how we're going to do things, especially for the roads. The other problem with the roads is, I was on the road, you know, on, on, on Saturday. It wasn't, there wasn't much of a storm in Melbourne. And even with not much rain, there's no runoff on the road. And you need to, we have to really look at this, the incident from Denver to Marisburg is, is under construction I, since 1986. You know, from that time it's been on construction. But so often the water pulls up on the road. Is there a way we can build where we have no co- collection of water on the road? Because that's a huge hazard for, for skidding, for cars going out of position, for cars going off the road, and so many cars have gone off the road already. I mean, it just messes the road up. It increases it, it, it floods. That's something else you've got to look at. There's like no runoff from a lot of our high-dash highways. Mm. One of the challenges, um, again, that you've highlighted, Dr. Suleiman, is the issue of people not wanting to leave their homes. And I think that's really an important one to emphasize, especially um, areas that have been, houses that have been built in low-lying areas. Because when we see uh, some of the flood damage, often it's, uh, you know, people that get trapped while trying to see how much they can make off with in their homes. And you can't blame uh, people for trying to save as much of of their positions as they can. No, that's uh, remember, Kathy. That for twenty years of hard work, all they got is one chair and one blanket, and you know, and, and one jersey. That's their life's positions, you know, because the, the circumstances are so difficult for people, or for many of the people who live in the situation. You understand that? Look, I worked so hard for this. I got nothing else left. You know, I, I got to take this away and save it. It's the same thing with the fire. The fire will burn us to go to the hall one kilometer away. You can stand on your head, they're not going to go there. They're not going to go to the hall that's one kilometer away. They'll stay, they'll stand 50 meters away from the fire, they'll wait for the thing to burn, and they'll go back to the spot. There's two things here. One is they want to catch their positions as fast as possible and save what they can. And secondly, that spot of land that they got, they don't want to lose that spot of land that they got in an informal settlement. Under no circumstances do they want somebody else to take that. And this is where human settlements got to play a role. And, I, and, and to me, I know, again, it's very cruel to say that after every disaster, whether it's floods or fire, it's an opportunity to relocate people, to give them decent settlements, decent dwellings, and say, look, and we've done it, we've proven it, we've done it in Alex on the Yaksuke River. Every year we get called by the city council, please mm-hmm. help, please help. And one day I put my foot down, I said, I'm not doing it, do what you want, I'm not doing it again. So they said, what are you going to do? I said, move the people to higher ground, but not 10 kilometers away. So 400 meters up, they gave us a piece of land. We rebuilt the houses, decent houses. We spaced them out so that if there's a fire, only one house burns, all houses don't burn. You know, there's enough driveway space. A fire truck can come in, an ambulance can come in. We put, put in stoves and kitchens and, 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 and ablution facilities outside the house. So if there's a gas, it explodes in the kitchen, not in the person's house. Nobody gets burned. We built that seven years ago. We haven't had a single disaster in that place in seven years. 
because all you need to do, so even the low-lying people, government can't say, okay, we'll decide what to do. You can't decide what to do. This is something you should know already in advance. You move people to a certain place and said, look, we're going to flat plane, we're going to move you out 50 at a time, we're going to put you in this area, not too far from where you are, but you're on higher ground. Just be talking about giving people houses. People don't stay far away from their workplace. And now look at the fuel price gone up. It becomes so much more expensive to travel. So it's just sensible to move how people in stages and give them the facility with everything sorted out so they're not on a servitude, they're not on a low-lying area, sure. they're not, you know, all those kind of things. And it can be done. It's not impossible. Dr. Imtiaz Suleiman, let me thank you so much for your time this morning. He is founder of Gift of the Givers and giving us really a good perspective there in terms of just some of the challenges that officials face in a disaster of this nature when it's important for people to move around. If you have family or friends or if you yourself are actually caught up in some of these floods you see, you know what's happening. We'd love to hear from you this morning. The number to dial 011-714-2006 on the WhatsApp line 0614-104-107 and on Twitter it's at SFM Radio, the hashtag there, SFM Talking Point and this is really one of the moments that we as a community can come together uh, you know, so if you know of a, of a bridge that has uh, four and down or collapse somewhere please call in let us know warn people uh, to 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 be able to uh, avoid those areas but I think the collective call here is that if you don't have to travel please avoid traveling by all means well let's get a sense of the response the disaster response from the provincial government Sipotlomoka is the KZN MEC for cooperative governance and traditional affairs um, MEC Tlomuka, I can imagine it's been an incredibly difficult night uh, for you and some of your officials just, just trying to um, really weigh up the scale of what is happening in your province. Morning to you. Uh, morning to the Limitar. Uh, uh, <coughs> we want to start by sending condolences to the families that they have left their lives uh, because, because of this uh, uh, flood. It is very strange as we speak now. We are visiting uh, some uh, areas where we can try our level best as a government to assist our people. We are also appealing to uh, private uh, sector, uh, religious, and everyone to come up front and, and assist uh, our people. Because we know that as a government alone, we can't do everything. Hence, we are appealing to everyone that let's assist our, our people, let's assist our neighbors, those who are neighbors of those who have been affected. This epidemic is all over the province of Lazarumatan, but it's more at actually, hence, we are now on, on our way to uh, visit those areas. We started. At Lady Smith, you know the challenge of Lady Smith mm. with the town. Yeah. Uh, and we have been uh, working with uh, councillors uh, around uh, Alfred Duma and also Utuela. Uh, we are appealing to really to everyone to assist our people. MEC, firstly, let's begin with what we know in as far as the number of lives that have been lost 
in this storm right now? <coughs> well, the disaster uh, team, uh, they are all over the province, uh, working with uh, police, working with all stakeholders, we can now confirm the number. Uh, however, we will uh, come back and report because we want to ensure that as we going to uh, report about how many households that have been affected, how many people that they have lost their lives, and how many people that will need to be assisted. We must at least give a correct figure rather than just raise a number that we have just received now while we are still waiting for uh, police to confirm uh, the number that we have. Uh, if we can appeal to you and to the listeners uh, that we will come back and give the correct number. But I must say that we, the provincial government, also working with municipalities, we are dealing with the matter, we are under control, uh, hence, we are also appealing to everyone uh, to uh, work with us uh, in ensuring that we assist our people. You know, you, we, we can't blame for, for this disaster. Mm. Uh, uh, even the issue of budget, it is the challenge. Hence, we are also uh, going to meet soon and, and we are going to produce a report to a provincial executive country led by the Prime of Corona, that Prime of Vigalada, will then submit a report uh, to national government to request intervention because really as a province uh, were strained about uh, a budget. I think that's why we're saying, we're working with all stakeholders in ensuring that we assist our people because we are a caring government. We must ensure that uh, we work with uh, everyone uh, and I have already appealed to all municipalities and to all councillors that let's not use this damage uh, 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 or disaster as a, as a, as a political um, uh, a tool uh, to, to, to use our people. Let's assist everyone, irrespective of who they voted for. Because sure. We have a responsibility to assist our people. I'm going to ask you just to stay on the line for me, if you can. Um, I'm just going to go quickly over to the news desk to take Liesl Wilson, uh, who's standing by with the latest 9.30 news headlines. We'll continue uh, the conversation with MEC Klomuka uh, on the coordinated response to uh, the disaster that has hit KZN. Good morning, Kathy. Thank you very much. And your headlines just after 9.30. ESCOM has announced that a shortage of generation capacity has prompted it to reinstate stage two rolling blackouts from five o'clock this afternoon to five o'clock tomorrow morning. The power utility says there's a strong possibility of more rolling blackouts if the generation capacity further deteriorates. A true picture has started to emerge of the extent of the devastation that heavy rains have caused in KwaZulu-Natal. Cooperative Governance and Traditional Affairs Department has yet to tally and release the death toll following the floods in the province. Emergency services have been responding to calls for help from the victims of heavy rains. SAFM celebrates Freedom Month.
All right, we continue then our focus on the floods that have wreaked havoc in KwaZulu-Natal. And like I said, I'll be taking some of what you are seeing and experiencing on the ground on 011-714-2006 on the WhatsApp line 0614-104-1007 and on Twitter at SFM Radio, the hashtag SFM uh, Talking Point. We're in conversation with Sipotlo Muka. He's the KZN MEC for Cooperative of governance and traditional affairs. MEC Klomoka, in, in as far as the response is concerned right now, what are you as a province prioritizing? So, so what are you prioritizing in as far as the response from a disaster management perspective is concerned? Well, as I already indicated, we're working with uh, all the authorities. If I can specifically mention, we've been MEC, just try that again. I know that you're on the road, you're traveling, um, but we seem to be losing you on that line. All right, it, it looks like we've lost the MEC there. Uh, you heard his traveling from Ladysmith on his way to Etaguini, which is one of the areas that has been identified as a high-risk area. We will try and get him back up on the line, but... Um, the advice, as you heard from MTS Suleiman, especially for communities that are in low-lying areas, is to try and get above ground as much as possible. Avoid being on the road in this moment, given just how difficult the situation is and uh, challenges that are being experienced by emergency services personnel, even in reaching some of those that need assistance right now. So, it, again, it really needs the coming together of different communities. And it'll be great to see, you know, um, corporates and big business get involved in the way that we see when there are other disasters. I don't know if you remember the time that we had the fires out in Neisner and the way that business came together to support that community. And this is one of the instances where um, that kind of camaraderie uh, will be so significant. And yes, we can be skeptical around uh, politicians bringing up issues of budget. But KZN, over the last three years, has had to declare a countless number of state of disasters. I mean, just in in, in January, um, there was, again, more areas being declared state of disasters due to storms. And the provincial government saying it's going to need at least 3.3 billion rand just to repair the damage then that was caused by some of the heavy storms that they had been uh, uh, that they have had been experiencing in parts of the province so unfortunately that province has really bore uh, the brunt of the the changing weather patterns if if that's what we are ascribing it to and there's been different research also done a warning about what kind of weather, especially in an area like uh, KwaZulu-Natal, can expect going into the future. And from the perspective of of disasters, it's it's not looking good because there are warnings of more tropical storms, of cyclones, of severe weather conditions. And this is just what the, the province then will have to contend with going into the future. And some of the solutions that are required are going to need to be beyond just the immediate 
um, disaster relief as what the province requires right now. Let me take you to one of our journalists who's on the ground in KwaZulu-Natal, Nunguleko Hlope, who is out in Guamashu. Nunguleko, good morning to you uh, and thanks for your time this morning. Good morning, Kathy, and good morning to our listeners as well. Firstly, I hope that uh, you know you, you're keeping you're safe where you are, and that you're not taking these risks. I know as journalists, it's hard sometimes because we want to be there where things are happening. But uh, the warning that has been issued this morning is a really, really uh, important one. Give us a sense of what is happening in in Guamashu. Um, as you have heard from the NEC, the municipality of Echeguin is the hardest hit. Mm. Um, and here in Guamashu, um, we have like um, nearby informal settlements. We have had calls coming from Inanda uh, and Inumzinyati where um, structures of uh, called homes of other people have collapsed um, overnight and uh, disaster management teams have had, you know, their hands full throughout the night. It's been one of, one of those hectic days. Um, you know, I've been up since um, half past four this morning working on this rain story. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those devastating days because, you know, some people are saying they've been calling for, you know, uh, emergency services, uh, seeking help. However, the municipality and the responding team are sometimes a bit stressed. And, 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 and so what are people doing in those instances? Because we've heard about the difficulties even for emergency services to get around. Um, you know, some people have tried to kind of like um, uh, group up and go to uh, um, uh, areas where uh, are a bit safer. And also the municipality of Italian have opened some of community halls, um, you know, as shelters to, to house those people whose homes have either collapsed or washed away. However, other people, um, you know, especially those who've lost, uh, who, who have their loved one missing, uh, let me not use the, the word as yet as lost. They are, you know, still searching for them in hope that they might mm-hmm. find them still alive. So it's one of those days that, you know, even like trying to reach out, you know, to get a sense of what has happened, they would tell you that uh, for now I can't be able to speak to you because my brother or my sister is still missing. Oh, Nguleko, it's such a difficult situation for families to find themselves in. I'm going to ask you just to stay on the line, Nguleko. Uh, MEC Klomoka is back on the line. And this is an example of what people are going through in this moment. So disaster management and emergency teams being stretched, people needing help, not being able to receive that help. How, how can we improve the situation? Well, uh, we know that um, we are working with municipalities um, because our disaster team is a team uh, from the provincial government, but also with municipalities. But it's not only this one. We're also uh, uh, recruiting volunteers around those areas and trying to assist our, our people. As we speak, I already indicated that Especially in, in most municipalities, we have requested them to open uh, halls uh, for our people, and we are giving them blankets, we are giving them sponges, we are giving them food, while we are still assessing the situation. And we are also appealing to uh, religious people, the pastors, uh, to say, can we also use uh, the church, uh, the churches, in ensuring that we. we take our people to those areas. Uh, that's why we're also appealing to private uh, uh, sector, to business, to business people, 
to say, come closer and assist our people, but not only business. Uh, uh, this uh, a disaster, it needs all of us, even those who might have clothes that they are not going to use them, they are no longer wearing uh, those clothes, come forward and donate uh, so that at least we assist our, our people. We know, we, you know the pandemic, uh, uh, coronavirus, it was uh, difficult to manage it uh, when it started. But the government able, uh, government was, 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 was in control over it. And he also today are under control of the situation, were dealing with it, were asking more people, all candidates. Uh, they are working with us in ensuring that we are our people, but not only candidates, officials, as we speak, the Prima of Wazuna, Prima Zigalada, is visiting some sites uh, with uh, the mayor of Italian and other candidates, uh, with the, uh, the purpose of assisting our people, because we are a caring government. All right. MEC Klomoka, we're going to leave it there, give you a chance to get back to it. Uh, Nunguleko, let me come back to you and again just uh, continue the conversation around the experience that you are seeing and that people are having in as far as uh, trying to escape, you know, this this really devastating uh, situation from what you can see. Have people taken the call to stay put? Uh, I know that things like uh, schools have had to be closed for the day, businesses also shutting their doors for the day? Um, especially with the schools, um, you know, we've seen many um, um, that have managed to hit to the call and not to open. However, with the business, um, there are those, um, you know, in areas that where they seem a bit safer um, that are trying to kind of like operate However, Kathy, it's worth mentioning that um, earlier today we got um, an information of our of over 80 workers that were working at a warehouse in prospecting um, that are still stuck because um, you know they, their building was waterlogged. Um, they had to move to an upper floor, um, according to the information that we are receiving. So those people, they are saying that they are just watching the water levels rising and while they are waiting to be um, rescued. So um, they are still also, um, you know, you, you remember the area um, near the old airport on the N2, um, even um, in 2015, if I'm not mistaken, the entire N2 around that area was waterlogged. And so it's one of those, um, you know, uh, dire situations. They've been trying to send their families messages to say we need help. And also they've said that uh, seemingly even their employer is not trying, you know, to do it's best to rescue them. They are still stuck. Mm. And, and, and one can't even begin to imagine what they're going through, right, and, and the fear that they must be experiencing in this moment. Do we know anything about, you know, the response of emergency services personnel to that situation in particular? Um, I've reached out um, and conducted um, a tour municipality and sent them, um, you know, some of the videos that they were sending us, you know, to say this situation can be a disaster if not attended. We are hoping that maybe in the next two hours they might be getting help. It's one of those stories that we have to keep tabs on because, um, you know, it's a, it's a huge number of people that are being trapped. 
All right, Nongule Gotlope, we'll keep in touch with you during the remainder of the morning just to uh, get the latest in terms of what is unfolding uh, with these floods. So uh, roads are also something that has been spoken about a lot this hour. Let me welcome Nomsamudise, who is the project manager for Sunral in the eastern region. Nomsa, good morning to you. Thanks for your time this morning. Good morning. Um, good morning to the listeners and um under the very difficult conditions we are in in KwaZulu-Natal at this point in time. What is the state of some of your roads? Well, most of our roads have packed up and uh, have given into the floods and the slides that have happened on them. And uh, most of the network is affected, Um, starting from Utugela, um, we around the town of Otogela, uh, Ladysmith, the, it is flooded. And as you go down towards Deben, there are areas that uh, we still are battling to clear and which motorists cannot move both north and southbound on our national roads and some of our provincial roads and municipal roads. So the state of our roads is not in a very good condition at this point in time. And um, and uh, the weather is also not improving as we look at it. Uh, we can see that it is it is constantly changing for the worst again. Mm. One of the, the the issues of concern that we're seeing, of course, are people that are getting trapped in the storm while out on the roads. And you have vehicles, of course, that are being completely overwhelmed by these waters. What is the warning that Sunral has to issue in that regard? And, and it would also be good to hear from you if there are any active rescue situations that have come out of motorists that have been traveling on the roads? I wish to commend the enforcement agencies that have worked tirelessly overnight. Since last night, uh, traffic, the SAPS, um, have been on our roads, and we have constantly been feeding information to the media houses and through our our communication platforms to say um, if people can delay travel or can move to safer spots and wait there until such time we can clear the, the network to open it up, they should do so. So um, those that have been trapped, they are being attended to um, as swiftly as possible. We've got our engineers that have been working overnight to clear the roads and uh, who have been identifying all those people that have been found in constrained environments to try and get them out of those areas. As I speak with you now, the N2 North is is also been declared a disaster on N2, uh, a disaster area, because the road itself seems to be packing up and um, the message has gone out to everybody to please avoid the area on into north um, around Guadalupe because of what is happening and uh, I know the enforcement agencies are on the road at this point in time to try and get people to the nearest exits out of those areas and and lead them to the safest spots. 
Given the fact that uh, speaking specifically on the eastern region of the province, that the the majority of your roads, as you were saying earlier, have effectively given in, how much more complicated is this making it for emergency uh, services? And I imagine even your own engineers that need to move into uh, some of these areas to try and restore whatever they can. It is definitely a constraint. Um, but through the effort of 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 all the heads that have been put, that, that have put the work in progress, uh, we are trying to get people out um, by by kind of clearing certain sections and allowing traffic to 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 cascade through those open areas and get to the safer spot. It is definitely a very trying time because you cannot tell exactly where the road is going to give in. You just get called out and told now there is now a an area where there is an entrapment of, of certain vehicles and then we try and, and, and move them away from that area. But as mm-hmm. we indicated that motorists please as much as possible give us time to do an inspection of these roads, even if the road at that as as we speak does not show any signs of collapsing. Allow our engineers who are currently doing and on local inspections on every section of the road at this point in time to do the work so that we have a comprehensive response to, to public to indicate to you as to how safe the network is going forward. Nomsa, one of the visuals that we are also seeing, of course, are, um, you know, I think it's 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 visuals of trucks that have been uh, trapped in water, so completely locked in water. But they also many of them positioned under one of uh, under a bridge. It, it it looks like, and and in a situation like that, are there ways in which you are securing the structural integrity? of at least those bridges that have not given way but um, look close enough to it? The structure of the bridge is, of the bridges are being inspected. Remember, that that is not something you can do instantaneously. Mm. Um, um, engineers have gone out. Our, our engineers from Sandral, where the bridge has indicated um, any threats, we have called upon our structural engineers to go out. I know um, um, our colleagues here in the eastern region are on the road um, inspecting those bridges. And obviously, if there is a bridge next to where you are, please, I would advise motorists not to use that as a shelter uh, because if it happens to give in while you are on the, uh, you're underneath there, it will be a threat to you. The safest spots would be get to the nearest development um, area next to our road, pull off, get into a ribbon development and and, 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 and stop there where you are not under a structure which you're not sure whether you will be safe um, uh, and how long you're going to be safe being underneath that road, that, that, that section. But one of the things, um, that works well in situations of this nature. When enforcement agencies approach our motoring public and request them to move, please take guidance of the advice of the enforcement agencies. 
they will lead you to the right place to go and shelter there until such time the things are cleared. All right. Uh, Nomsa Mudise, project manager for Sunral in the Eastern Region. Let me thank you for coming on to the show this morning, Nomsa, and really giving us a picture of what the state of the roads is. So, again, you know, the, the emphasis there is to really stay home if, if you can. And I think there are going to be broader conversations beyond um, this 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 flooding period that KZN is going to, uh, you know, that is that KZN is going through to to really speak about the infrastructure in the province and how do you ensure that that infrastructure is more responsive or is able to withstand where possible um, part of of what is expected to be ongoing weather challenges um, into the foreseeable future.